Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. There were two more murders 15 miles well, away. Arrived, the they found the telephone and electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Good morning. Murder. What lengths will you go to to keep your secrets? On August 12th, 1996, a man took the lives of three innocent family members just because he wanted to keep his bank robberies under wraps. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Christopher Henriquez had a bit of a problem. He had become addicted to robbing banks. He loved the money, the rush, everything, and didn't seem to care what the consequences were or how they affected his family. By July of 1995, he had already served time in New York for a robbery sentence and was paroled when, despite his time in prison, he began planning his next heist. His wife Carmen found out and, about a year later, relayed the information to her father while visiting with their daughter Zuri. Her father, Harold, called Christopher, hoping to remind him of what the family went through when he served time a few years back. Try and make him understand the consequences. Instead, Christopher grew very defensive and angry that his wife would tell her father about his plans, stating she was just interfering with his business. But Carmen didn't stop with her father. Soon, Christopher was fielding questions and calls left and right from family members and friends, all of who seemed to know about his recent plans. He grew extremely angry. He needed Carmen to mind her own business and keep her mouth shut even making a comment to his brother that he wanted to kill Carmen, quote, because she doesn't listen. Sometime in July of 1996, Christopher's neighbor and accomplice, Gregory Morton, came over with a gun telling Christopher he needed to teach his wife not to talk so much. Christopher's threats and actions became so upsetting that Carmen and Zuri fled to her mother's home. On July 26, 1996, Christopher finally did what he had been planning for about a year. He and Gregory robbed a bank in San Francisco and obtained close to $180,000, which he told his family came from a boxing contract. Carmen wasn't buying it and kept talking about her suspicions with family. But when Christopher promised that this was his last bank heist, she moved back home. 
Wanting to spend his newfound money, in August of 1996, Christopher took Carmen Zuri, his mother, sister, and brother, to Disneyland for several days. He, of course, picked up the bill, and the family returned home on August 11th. The following day, Carmen called her sister-in-law, telling her that things in the home were getting really bad again. Christopher could be heard yelling in the background. The next call received from the Enriquez home was from Christopher around 5.30 p.m. He called his mother, who would later describe her son's tone as troubled. She invited him to her home, and when he arrived, she realized that he was heavily intoxicated and completely out of it. He began mumbling incoherently, she just doesn't listen, and cried out for his daughter. Not knowing what was going on, Christopher went to sleep it off. His mother tried to get a hold of Carmen the next morning, but her calls went unanswered. When she mentioned this to her son, he said she wouldn't be returning her call because Carmen is dead, I killed Carmen, and went on to add that his daughter Zuri, just two years old, had also been killed. That when they came home from the airport, they had gotten into a fight, and the next morning, he heard her on the phone talking with someone about his criminal endeavors. He got angry at his wife's loose lips, and the anger just finally bubbled over. He waited for her to leave to run an errand, during which he clubbed Zuri with a claw hammer before strangling her to death, placing her in a large box, and wrapping her with a blanket. Then, when Carmen came home, he beat her, tied her up, and placed a bag over her head until she suffocated to death. Carmen, it should be mentioned, was eight months pregnant at the time of her murder. He told all of this to his mother, who tried to urge her son to call the police. He said he couldn't because he was on parole and didn't want to end up in a cage again. So she waited for him to leave and called police, telling them that there was a good chance her son was going to flee to New York. Her assumptions were correct and he was arrested when he disembarked from the airplane in LaGuardia Airport. At the station, he signed a five-page confession detailing the murders of Carmen and Zuri, as well as the bank robbery committed in July of 1996. He was indicted on October 10, 1996, with the first-degree murder of both Carmen and Zuri and second-degree murder of the fetus Carmen was carrying. While awaiting trial on August 5, 1998, Christopher Enriquez and four other inmates attempted to escape custody through a cell window. He was rearrested, and the prosecution used this attempt to show the jury that he was clearly guilty of the crimes to which he was being charged. They agreed, and he was given the death penalty. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 13th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. 
Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.